I'm Sarah Myerskoff, and this is the Insurance Brokers Podcast, where we're talking to the personalities and the businesses that sit behind our industry. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe on your chosen podcast streaming platform. Good morning, Jonathan. Thank you very much for joining me today on the Insurance Brokers Podcast. It's really lovely to have you here. Thank you for inviting me on, Sarah. So um, we first met at an event last year and I've been harassing you to get you on the podcast ever since. So I'm really grateful that you've agreed. (laughs) Our conversation today is um, quite an interesting one and I'm looking forward to learning from you. And we're talking predominantly around um, a high net worth market and some of the challenges that are kind of, I want to say bespoke to 2023. I'm sure we've seen them before, but there's there's some quite... um, things going on in the world that are changing various markets. So I'm really looking forward to learning a little bit about that. But before we do, tell me a bit about you. Tell me who Jonathan is, what you do. Introduce yourself. Um, so I was one of the founder partners of Protect Underwriting about six or seven years ago. We started it as a new business, new underwriting business. Um, and that's gone very well to date. And my history is, I guess, I've been in insurance for the whole of my career. So 25 years plus. Insurance through and through. (laughs) So tell me a bit about Protect. So we started as a a very focused specialist underwriting business, uh, sort of boutique-led, I guess, if you you want to call it that, um, focused very much around providing service directly to brokers. Um, But then alongside that, obviously, still providing a great uh, service to the policyholders. And if we can get those two bits right, then we think that, you know, brokers will show us more business and, and we'll build a good portfolio with them. Uh, and that's proven to be pretty correct. Obviously, we continue to work on developing the products and the sol- solutions and adding new lines to us gradually. Fabulous. So we're talking specifically around the high net worth market today. That, I suppose high net worth, fine art, big umbrella there. Um, can you tell me about what sort of things are happening in that market today that's, uh, I don't want to use the word unprecedented, but you know, things that, the big the big movers you can see that are the challenges that are happening in that market. I guess the hot topic at the moment is, um, is inflation uh, and the effect that has on policyholders around underinsurance and the challenges that presents to everybody at the time. The most important time is when a customer has a claim. Um, we're clearly seeing uh, the cost of claims going up, um, but also the, the timeline of, of putting people back to where they started. I think you, you know from personal experiences, if you try and order something from a builders um, or you know even sort of white goods and kitchen goods and things like that, it, it takes taking a lot longer to, to come through. So I think that um, that communication challenge is the big one we see from brokers. Is how do they engage policyholders in thinking about you know, what are the correct sums insured that they need um, and you know actually helping them to evaluate that and, and, and make sure the policy is, is fit for purpose for them. It's pretty difficult because at a time where um, the cost of living is increasing, uh, the cost of insurance is increasing outside of the fact that you need to then increase your, your sums insured and, 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 and things like that. How do they have those conversations? Because this is a conversation I've had with a few brokers yeah, it's, it's difficult. I mean, we've also had rate rises going through in the market as well. You know, there have been losses, there have been an increase in complex losses. 
So, you know, rate rises have been coming through in our market. Um, and I guess now we're probably seeing more around just under insurance. So I said the tricky thing for a broker is to explain to a customer that they're actually buying more, they're buying more cover or they need to buy more cover. So it's not necessarily about insurers wanting, you know, us wanting more money. It's about making sure that the, the cover goes up. Um, and unfortunately, the price goes up with that. Uh, so you're right in, in economic difficult times. It, it's um, it's a challenging conversation. Um, but I think most policyholders still want to get their insurance um, in the right way and they want to get uh, correctly insured. So I think that's... Uh, that's the good thing about this is that you're, you're trying to have a conversation about what, you know, what does a policyholder actually need. There's been, there's always a lot of talk about under insurance and, and the consequence of, um, and I hear a lot of, about under insurance in insurance circles, but it's not the insurance circles that need to know about under insurance. How, how do we to get that message out to the policyholder, particularly around um, high net worth, fine art, all of that kind of area? How do you get that message out? Um, I think, you know, in a lot of our areas, you know, people like talking about um, their assets, you know, what they own. You know, there's a natural interest if you're somebody that collects a lot of watches or collects art, you know, there's often a natural interest and appreciation that the values are going up. And, you know, that's a great thing for our policyholders. And the same, you know, with their houses, you know, if, if uh, they've had any work done or, you know, building works, projects done, they know the cost of things are going up. The tricky thing, I think, for brokers sometimes is how do they create a conversation with their customer? Um, insurance isn't that exciting, as you say, for people outside of the insurance world. So, you know, how do they make sure that that customer is engaged and prepared to talk to them at, at renewal? I think brokers, you know, that's a key role for brokers. You know, brokers have to be confident about what they're providing. They're not just providing a, a piece of paper and a, and a premium attached to it. You know, part of what they provide is the service and the engagement and that education piece. So they're actually providing real advice to the customer. And I think a lot of customers get that. That's why, you know, the high net worth market is still a broker-led market and, it, and it's still flourishing and growing. Um, the rich seem to be getting richer. They have more stuff to insure. And so, you know, the market continues to grow healthily. Have you got any things that you've seen during your day-to-day -day life over the last year that's kind of surprised you in terms of somebody's, I don't know, a story about underinsurance or a story about um, a particular claim that was particularly difficult to kind of highlight some of the things we're talking about? Yeah, I think, I think we see it every day. I think one of the biggest challenges for brokers is to, to get the correct information from policyholders, you know, to get that level of engagement. So you know, really trying to dig into what's going on with the policyholder, you know, what's their security like? Um, what's their lifestyle like? Are they leaving, you know, if they've got multiple properties, are they leaving some of those properties unoccupied for large periods of time? You know, who do they have going into the property? Um, because, you know, we have as a market seen large losses, particularly from escape of water. You know, we had the July 21 floods, you know, we've seen some very high profile other flood situations we had the freeze in december you know there, there are lots of you know whether they're climate change or or just you know circumstantial you know building regs changes there's a lot going on that, that's causing losses and, and some of these losses are very um, yeah, very substantial um, and i think 
perhaps as we came out of COVID, you know, we saw an increase in things like jewellery losses as well. You know, people started travelling again, uh, doing some odd things like you know checking lots of jewellery into a into a, a luggage bag and sticking it in the aircraft, which you know is not best practice. Um, so yeah, there, there's lots of stories I'm afraid out there. You know, perhaps that escape of water one. You know, we saw one just the other day where. You know, we've continued we've had one customer that's had a leak or you know, had some damp in their house and they haven't been able to trace it for ages and then finally they traced it to actually a leak from from two doors away from their own house and so we'd had a number of specialists go out and so it's you know just all these these knock-on effects of these things is it can be can be significant i did a really interesting podcast with miller insurance yeah. specifically on uh, escape of water um and it's fascinating how uh, how damaging it can be horrible for people really horrible if it if it happens to them um and as i say not often a, a quick a quick solution you know how much money we throw at these things to try and rectify them they're not always a simple solution i total personal anecdote i um we've had a dodgy builder that's wrecked our house that we're currently trying to deal with um, and one of the things he's done is he's put a new window in my daughter's bedroom but where he's messed up the roof there's water coming into the cavity behind the wall so the wall yep. has like turned to powder oh dear and yeah. I, I looked at it and I thought what is going like what is that is there something wrong with the paint is the and when the structural engineer came around uh, the latest structural engineer for the 900th billionth time he said, no, it's there's water going into the wall cavity. I have no idea what consequence or damage that will cause, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's painful. You know, as you say, standards of building work are, are not always great. Um, people forget to tell their insurance broker that they're having work done in the first place, which leads to complications. So that's, that's a big challenge for brokers. And then, you know, the nature of that work and the some of these these projects are very ambitious as to what people try and achieve, um, and then you know, problems come out afterwards. You know, insurance isn't a maintenance product; it's there for you know fortuities and, and unexpected events. So that then does does lead to some com complexity as to how you get it fixed and and who's who's going to pay for it. Yeah. The latter is. Well, my I wish you well with your your <laughs> project. But... We know how it needs to be fixed. The whole thing needs to be demolished and restarted. But um, yeah, so it's expensive different story. And painful, isn't it? And and it's the disruption as well to people's lives. You know, that's the... yeah, it is. It really is. Um, just changing slightly, but you know, there's a link here. I did a a, a podcast uh, towards the latter end of of 2022. Uh, with PIB about the regulatory changes coming in around consumer duty and I'd be quite interested in specifically how this affects high net worth fine art uh, clients what are your thoughts on that I think c consumer duty is a, a good thing it's a, you know it's a direction of travel from the regulator I think for most of the high net worth market I would say that you know we're already um, extremely focused towards customer outcomes um, but obviously we've got a make sure that we can demonstrate that as a, as a board, as a company um, around our product governance and, and the service we provide. You know, we already collect a lot of data, conduct data to make sure that our policyholders are, are happy um, with our product and that we're providing good value. But we, yeah, we, we're looking at, you know, it's a good opportunity for us to refresh some of our product you know, to make sure it's, 
it's easy to read and that it flows and that the coverage is clear. So yeah, it's a, it's a challenge for for the for our industry. Um, all of these things take time, which again is you know is, is valuable and important to us. Um, but yeah, I, th I think it's. I don't think for the private client market it will be it would be a painful experience because I think we're already delivering a great great solution. What's your your top three questions that you get from brokers, and consequently, what's the top three pieces pieces of advice you find yourself giving to brokers in you know today's market? Yeah, brokers want more engagement with underwriters. Um, the risks are complex, semi-complex. There's there's always something unusual about them. So we see quite a lot of frustration from brokers with uh, some of the service they get from some of the major insurers. So you know that's why we and other smaller specialist boutique insurers are doing well because we can we can give that attention from our underwriter to broker to deliver something that's right for the customer. I think brokers do a great job, you know, when they can get engagement with the policyholder and, and really provide advice and um, ask the right questions, then I think that's, you know, that's a massive win for us and for them. There's a big pressure on everybody to be more efficient. Um, so whether that's around just, you know, the quality of the paperwork, the, the premium and, and the data and everything moving around. So I think we'll, we'll see that you know, that continue both so brokers internally are under pressure to, to deliver what's the phrase uh, more for less <laughs> uh, and insurers certainly want to be more efficient you know uh, and that ultimately again can, can help us all as an industry and then i think probably the last thing is just to accept you know changes are constant you know so you know it's been like that for the last five years we've seen um we've seen some new entrants into the market um you know i guess we're, we're a bit older than that but you know we've seen People like Brit and, uh, and GJW come in, uh, doing a good job. Um, we've seen other you know, companies come and you know, change as well. You know, Aviva have clearly put a big stamp down on the market, bringing in Axa Art, um, Azure now. So there's a lot of change going on there. Um, different insurers are different to how they were five or 10 years ago, and they will be going forwards. So I think smart brokers are aligning themselves to, to people that provide service to them right now uh, and, and will do in the future. I think you've just asked my kind of final, answered my final finishing question, but you might want to add to it. Um, next three to five years for the high net worth market, what's your prediction? Um, I think more, more growth, more of the same. You know, I think um, it's been a, it's, it's a good market underwriters have struggled to make money at times over the last few years. So I think there is pressure um, for underwriters to deliver good results. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately we've got a growing customer base. You know, there are more people out there with more complex insurance needs and growing assets that need to be insured. Whether that's their first home or their third home, their art collection, their collection of something completely unusual. Um, these are all things that need to be insured that that won't be insured in the sort of direct online aggregator type market. So, so I think it's great. You know, it, the rich are getting richer, and, and assets will still need to to be insured. Uh, One of our clients does a, a a really interesting podcast in this space. Um, I did not know trainers were such a collectible yes. item. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I even. And we we have insured uh, a trainer collection in New York, 
I won't quote the number, but it was north, <laughs> of, north of five million dollars. And I thought, I thought the guy was going to have hundreds, if not thousands, of these trainers, and there weren't. They, there was, there was, you know, a dozen pairs of That's trainers. Just insane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but you know, they're like sort of they're treated like pieces of art now, really. So um, yeah, if it's mm. collectible, then and someone can put a, a value on it, then we can insure it. Amazing. And it also comes down to the same basic things of, you know, how are they looking after it? How are they protecting it, securing it? Um, yeah, there's some, some incredible sports memorabilia and things out there now. I just cannot imagine having a desire to collect trainers. <laughs> that obviously says much more about me, well, I suppose, yeah, than, than anything. But yeah, it's insane. It's just like all collections, isn't it? It's, uh, it's very personal to people. But, mm. but yeah, things like that trainer market. Um, Yes. Is so, Lego a collectible item? I I understand so, but I suspect the values aren't quite what uh so sort of trainers and comic books and things are. I guess it's perhaps okay. not scarce. I mean, um, I love Lego, so I could see that. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, digressing. Like sort of rarity scarcity value, I guess, can ultimately uh, can go up in value and and, and be insurable. Um, if you were to win Euro Millions this Friday, what would your collectible item be? Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> I don't know, actually. Good point. Uh, probably art, I suppose. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. When you go to some of these art galleries, it's uh, it's very inspiring to see lots of interesting things are there. Although... Um, I have to say some of the prices are still shocking even if you even if you did win the euro millions but uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe a few other things i'd had to spend most of my money on first <laughs> harry potter lego that would be mine i want hogwarts at the moment but again a different story i think if you won euro millions you could you could fill your whole house with harry potter lego no problem <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's a dream. Uh, Jonathan, I'm really grateful for your time this morning. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we sign off? Because I'm, I'm, again, learning things every day and I really appreciate your time. No, it's, it's been it's been enjoyable to talk to you. Thank you for your time. And uh, yeah, I'd be happy to answer any follow-up questions that people may have. Wonderful. Are you happy if I put your details in the um, show notes so anybody that's got any questions or looking for an um, uh, uh, underwriting partner can get in touch? Yes, of course. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Super. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Brokers Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to subscribe on your chosen podcast streaming platform and check us out on YouTube.